Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Better Events Podcast. In today's episode, we have a guest with us, and we are talking all about how to prove to stakeholders the value of events with Shannon Doa from Beyond the BEO, fellow podcast host. And this is a great conversation. Think about it. In events, we work with so many different people and stakeholders, and so this conversation is crucial. So we're excited to get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Logan Clements, and I'm joined by fellow co-host Mary Davidson. And before we get into this week's episode, we always love to save as much time as we can for our guests. We do want to remind you that we have the Better Events Conference that's coming up, and we recently announced the date of the conference will be Wednesday, December 20th. And we do encourage you to register your interest to find out about when early bird tickets go on sale, or if you're interested in speaking or partnering with us, just visit us at bettereventspod.com slash conference, and you can find it in the show notes. But without further ado, Mary, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce our guest, Shenandoah Nicholson, today. Awesome. Sounds great. I'm really excited for our guest today. Shannon Doe Nicholson is an event planner and extraordinaire based out of Toronto, Canada with over a decade of experience. She has worked in B2B event marketing and the technology, human resources, and insurance industries. She's the host of the Beyond the BEO podcast, woohoo, fellow podcast host, um, and industry podcast for event professionals. She also recently completed her MBA in social impact from the University of Fredericton. And in her spare time, she and her husband play copious amounts of trivia. I love that. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for that warm welcome. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, Is there anything that you wanted to add to your introduction that maybe we didn't cover? I, don't, I think you guys covered it really great. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm located in Canada, up in Toronto, and I've been working in the industry for decade and a half now. So uh, really passionate about it. Really excited uh, to talk to you today. Amazing. Yeah. And to give our listeners just a little bit of context uh, for why we asked you here, but we've connected with you on social media and we were joking before we hit record. I don't think we've met in person, but um, I know that we've loved following your journey with the pot, your own podcast beyond the BEO um, as well as your business. And we just felt like we really needed to get you on here so you could talk to our listeners about working with especially stakeholders. I feel like today's topic is a difficult but vital part of the event planning process. So we're very grateful to have you here and share your, your insight. But to kind of, we always like to start broad. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about why you're passionate about proving the value of events to stakeholders? Sure. I think that events just have such a tremendous impact on an organization. And uh, for some context, I've always worked in-house as a planner. So I've always uh, worked for usually a marketing department, a sales department, and which is a different experience, of course, than working in an agency. But I just I've seen the impact that events can have on the sales organization, the revenue organization, marketing, uh, HR, the employee engagement. And I think that it's really easy for people to discount the amount of work that goes into it and why it's valuable. You know, everyone just sees the fun product at the end and may not be thinking about why the strategy um, why we're doing it, why we're spending the money. Uh, and I think it's really important that 
you know, the stakeholders within your organization realize why it's worth it and, and what um, return on investment they can get. I love this because we talk about why all the time on the podcast, like the purpose of your event, the why of your event, but this is almost like the why of your event amplified, like it's even like more so. And so I'm really excited to learn more about it. And when we talk about stakeholders, what do you mean by stakeholders, just in case some folks aren't maybe familiar with that phrase, whether they're internal or external? For sure. So uh, on the corporate side, you know, your internal stakeholders are generally going to be your executive team, your um, the departments that you're serving. So um, even though I've never worked for an agency, sometimes our department has operated like an agency within a company. So we might get a request from HR to say, hey, we want to run this employee awards um, ceremony and we don't have the expertise. So then all of a sudden that group is our is our stakeholders. Um, it can be your customers. It can be prospects. Um, you know, if you're working in a nonprofit space, it can be your donors. It can be those who are receiving the services um, from the nonprofit. So it's really anyone who cares about the event happening, either because they're going to be directly involved or they're going to directly see an impact from the event. So anyone who has anyone who basically has an opinion on the event is is, an, is a stakeholder. And there's a lot of people who can have opinions on events. We know. <laughs> Um, For sure. But Shenandoah, what are some of your top ways that you like to prove the value of events to some of these stakeholders? Sure. So I love numbers. I love getting into a spreadsheet. I love pulling the data um, on an event to say, hey, this is the people that we've met at these events. A lot of the events that I've done have been in the B2B space. So you know, business to business marketing is long sales cycles. They're not overnight. You know, someone sees an Instagram ad and buys the product, at least 99.999% of the time. Um, and so it's, it's really about kind of starting, understanding like where, where you want to go with it and why you want to be hosting this event and the stakeholders, you know, need to know, um, I, we keep saying why, right. <laughs> but it's, it's so important. It's so clear, um, when you're trying to figure out how do we prove it? And it's because you start with the why and then you answer the question at the end, right? And the question can be, did we get any leads? Did our employee uh, net promoter score go up? Did we get positive feedback? Did we close a deal? Did What was the result? So I think just bringing as much data as you can to say, this is you know what we spent. These are the results that we saw. And sometimes they're not you know, the tangible dollars, it's a little harder, but what is this, the feedback on the surveys? What is it, what's happening year over year? You know, are you increasing the number of people at your events? Um, I think that can be a great indication. You know, I'm working on a really large event right now that, you know, it hadn't happened in years since COVID, came back last year, went really well, and now we're seeing even more people register, right? And so that's just an indication of, hey, we were definitely on the right track last year, and we're now just bringing more folks along. So and I think it also depends on, you know, your stakeholders. Some will be more data driven. Some just want to hear the, the Coles notes, right? They want to hear how did it go? What what was people's feedback? Some of them want to be in the room and, and hear it from people on site. So I think it's, you know, understanding what their why is and what they're um, motivated by and how they process information in order to, you know, really show that value. Yeah, you mentioned that you love numbers. So I feel like it's just a follow-up question to that. Do you think to be able to define success, do you think it has to have a number associated with it? Or can you have kind of these softer metrics 
that don't have data, but can still help you define success and sell the value of the event to someone? Yeah, I think you can, you know, like I mentioned in longer sales cycles, you're often going to have multiple touch points. And sometimes it's seeing someone at an event year over year or month after month. You know, I recently got some feedback from one of our sales reps who said, you know, we go to this event every quarter. And I just want to let you know that someone told me today that that really makes a difference because it's in a smaller community. We're showing up. So sometimes you're going to be only able to use anecdotes. And those are important too, right? Because they're that are kind of the context behind the numbers. They're the, you know, the stuff that you can't really track, but that's the feedback that you want to be able to document. And so then I always, you know, take a little screenshot of that so that we can say, okay, why do we keep going back to this event? You know, when, when we come up looking at 2024 numbers, as many of us are uh, to say, what, what is it that we, what was the value in it? Oh, well, you know, we got this specific feedback from this specific, you know, executive and that that's important. How do we, um, you know, kind of replicate that across other events? Everything that you said is so important. So listeners, if you missed it, rewind and listen to it again, because <laughs> I just think of maybe it depends a little bit too on what types of events you're doing, but regardless of the type of event, there are still ways that you can prove the value to the stakeholders for sure. I keep thinking about fundraising events since that's a lot about what I do. And the things you mentioned, I'm like, yes, I wish that they would look more into that. Yes, absolutely. But really, it's all about like, how much money did we raise? And sometimes they're not comparing like past years. There's just like a lot of gaps. I think anything that we can do to get a better vision of the event through through data, through feedback, all of those things. I love what you said. So I'm inspired already. But one of the things that we know is challenging in general is just trying to get um, stakeholders to get a, on board with having a planner for events. And so how do you kind of frame the importance of having a, a planner, whether they're hiring a contractor or they're bringing somebody in from within their company, but that role, how do you convince them of the importance of that? I think it's about showing them all of the time you're going to save them, right? Um, you know, I've worked for some organizations where I've been one of the first planners to come into the team on a growing team, especially, you know, with uh, sales reps. They're used to having to go, you know, book the restaurant themselves, do design the invite, do all these things. And then I can come in and say, hey, let me take that off your plate so that you can focus on what's really important. And I think it's about showing the value through, you know, not just the expertise of an event planner, you know, when something comes up, when something goes wrong, when you're planning that strategy, but it's about showing them, okay, I'm here to, you know, serve your purpose, which is either to sell more software in my case, it could be to improve employee engagement. And so let me focus on the things that I'm really good at so that you can focus on the things that you're really good at. Because I'm not really good at those things and I don't want to do them. So let me do those things that will free up your time. And I think it's just about showing them that that trade-off. And, and it'll take time. I know coming into places where, you know, teams are growing and people are used to having to be a little scrappier, a little more startup and wear a lot of hats. And when you say, hey, no, I can wear that hat for you, it's it, you know, it takes some trust, right? And it usually takes an event or two to to build that in there. But I think once you show them, oh, here's all the headaches I can relieve for you. And that that's really the the key, you know, here's all the things I'm going to think of so that you don't have to. 
the power of having a planner on your team. I think it's just, yeah, it's those tangible examples I think are really helpful. I feel like Shannon, do I do that with clients sometimes to give them, I'm like specific scenarios where I'm like, that would be my problem, not your problem. Cause we've talked about it already. And so I would be the one dealing with that while you, you know, enjoy the event or talk to somebody else, but that's it. That's a me problem then. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of helped, but what are some common mistakes that you see other organizers or planners make especially with trying to either prove value or just even working with stakeholders? Uh, well, I think it's not knowing your stakeholders well enough, right? Like what is their motivation, right? You know, typically a stakeholder, they're they're answering to somebody about something, right? And so figuring out, um, I mean, we're not just promoting Simon Sinek's book here, but like, what is your why, right? So what is their why? So is it that they're trying to improve sales? Is it that they... Um, are trying to help their department improve uh, the employee engagement scores. And so who are they reporting to? Who are they having to answer to? You know, I think if you're just thinking, oh, they well, they just come in and pull apart my budget and don't let me do anything and clip my wings. Well, why are they clipping your wings? Is it because they an event didn't go so well last time? Is it because they've never done this before and so they're nervous? You know, so I think it's really important to understand their motivations and that they're everyone is different, right? So you might be working with a team of executives and each one of them has a different reason for having a stake in that event, right? You know, your CRO or head of sales is going to have a different reason for wanting to participate than your head of customer success because they're answering to different audiences and they might have to work together to to get the event um you know valuable for both of them but i think it's really just understanding why are they looking to do this event why are they allowing us to do this event why are they trying this what have they tried in the past um and not making too many assumptions about oh they just they just don't want us to have fun they just want it to they just want to they're just looking at the bottom line well okay maybe they are but why are they doing that and how can you convince them, okay, well, this is really worth the spend because this is going to be the experience on site. And it's always hard to do it if they've never been to the event before or if it's a brand new event. Um, you know, but sometimes when you're on site, it's like, oh, yeah, next year we want to do this. Okay, well, I'm going to add that to the budget. So I want you to remember that we had this conversation. So I think it's, you know, and, and understanding that they're human and that they want, they have their own biases that they're bringing to the table. And you know, getting to know them as well, any stakeholders across the organization, whether it's executives or other departments, um, you know, figuring out how do you reach the goal together uh, so that you're both happy. Yeah, it definitely seems really advantageous for for the planner to to get to know the stakeholders, like you're saying. And I was just thinking you mentioned one thing that was like, sometimes they, the stakeholders themselves might have, you know, different goals depending on the areas that they're representing. But then you said like, but they can hopefully come together and like come to something that is agreeable. I think that piece is definitely so important. And as planners, sometimes it depends, you know, how we get involved in, in an event. We don't have the opportunity necessarily to be a part of those conversations, but if we do, wonderful. If we learn they haven't taken place, let's try to get them to take place. But then all in all, I think we, we need to do our part and to to learn what they are, kind of what you're saying. Like, we'll do our job better if we understand what is important to them and help them come to an agreement. And so I love what you said. Um, and along with that, do you have you, you've touched on these a little bit, but do you have any go to tips for someone who's having you know pushback from internal folks on why that they need to host their event? What other things can they do to kind of prove or push back? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it goes back to the the data um, showing, you know, if it's a, an event that you've done in the past, you know, showing those results to, to whoever it is, uh, re, you know, reminding people of, you know, we can, we can make changes to an event. We don't need to do it exactly the same way every single year, but, you know, why did we start doing it in the first place? And, you know, kind of keeping people on track through the, the long slog of, of planning and, you know, looking forward and saying, okay, but let's, you know, revisit why we're doing it. And, and sometimes when we're meeting with our execs, we'll, you know, we'll kind of put the purpose of the event right at the beginning again of the slide. So just to remind everybody, like, this is why we're here, you know, this is why I'm sending you a million Slack messages and a uh, hundred emails. And, <laughs> and every time I see you in the office, I ask you if you have that thing for me, right? You know, just bringing it back to, you know, who's going to succeed because of the success of the event and just kind of keeping them focused on in that way. Yeah, I feel like it's the, I feel like conflicting stakeholders is honestly probably one of the bigger challenges that folks both, no matter if you work for an agency or work internal, but do you have any, if you came across an event where it sounded like they didn't really have a well-defined why or goal for the event, like what is your approach to that? Would you actually try to facilitate that conversation? Do you try to figure out the politics of like who you can safely say that to, or do you just openly say it to the group? What What's your advice there? Yeah, I think, you know, in an appropriate way, I think you, you do need to push a little bit. Uh, I think that Ultimately, someone should be owning, you know, you should have a, a sponsor, you know, an executive sponsor. Um, maybe it's, you know, within a, a charity, it's a it's a board member or a committee member or a chair that's kind of leading that. And I think that it's, you know, asking that even if it has been identified, asking them, okay, what what are you hoping to get out of this? And um, being clear and just saying, like, you know, I'm new to this event. You know, what has been everybody's experiences in the past? What did you love about it? What did you hate about it? Um, and using that to really reinforce with them to kind of get into the purpose. And I don't think it needs to be accusatory and just say it can be very friendly and just say, well, you know, what are we all hoping to get out of this? And like, I would love to know what everybody's vision is. And then I think from that, you'll start to hear little clues, right? Even if they don't outright say it, you, you know, you can start to discern, okay, you know, in the past, they didn't think we spent enough time on this topic, or they didn't think that we showcased this, or we didn't have enough of these folks in the room. Okay. So you know, and just reiterate it, you know, I, what I'm hearing is I think we want to see the event go this way. And I think it's just, you know, being honest with people and being clear and not being afraid to ask the questions, right? Because if you, again, go in with a lot of assumptions and think, oh, well, this executive only is doing it for this reason. And then you find out, oh, actually, really, it's because they um, had a great experience with it last year, or they had a bad experience with it last year, or, you know, the venue was really not, uh, you know, the right space. And so now they're just like thinking that that it's going to be like that forever. So I think you do need to push it a little bit. And, you know, maybe it's not necessarily in a group setting, and maybe it, it is individually, you kind of have to figure out your group, um, you know, is it a is it a friendly group? Is it a hostile group, right? Those can be very different. Um, but I think the question needs to be asked. Otherwise, you're just going to be spinning your wheels. Yeah. And has there been a time, I'm just curious, like whether you have an experience or just like feedback on this, but 
when you know you've been working with a group of stakeholders and they you know maybe they're not agreeing on an idea or something that you might think is important and then you do have to step back and 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 maybe in the end it is kind of like a moment of well I told you so but like you still have to <laughs> just respect that and step back and, and not move forward on whatever that thing is have you had an example of that happening did it work out okay in the end like cuz i think that's also reality is people say no so how do you deal with that isn't that just our email signature of like i told you so <laughs> I told you we should have been looking for a venue sooner. I told you you should have had someone on site. I told you. you <laughs> so I think absolutely you're going to have that. And you're, you know, you have to pick your battles, right? You're not going to win every every fight. You're not going to win every disagreement. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes, you know, maybe you are wrong or maybe it goes fine either way. I think it's about really picking your battles, knowing okay, you know, you want to do it this way. You know, I had an example years and years and years ago where I was working with an executive who got really into the weeds on it, like really wanted to like pick the napkin color and do all like, you know, <laughs> seeing the eyes go like this. And, you know, we, we let her because she was the, one of the most senior people in a very large organization. And then after the fact, she complained and we thought, well, we did it because we thought you wanted us to do, you, we, you know, we thought you were really excited and just wanted to do the fun stuff. And she's like, well, why was I having to pick the dinner? And I'm like, because you asked to, right? So I think, you know, <laughs> you know of course, you're going to have those experiences. And, you know, from that, we said, okay, going forward, this is the role of the event planner. This is the role, you know, because it, it can be hard, especially when you do get into the fun aspects, right? You know, everybody wants to see their favorite you know, oh, I would, I would choose this and everyone always has an opinion. So I think it's, you know, deciding, okay, what is worth it, right? If, if they get, want to choose the, the dinner and you think, well, we really should go with chicken because more people eat chicken, but they are hard set on beef. Okay, let's do it. Like if that is, if that is the hill that someone needs to die on, that's, that's what we'll do. And we'll cross the bridge afterwards and see what the feedback is. And who knows? Maybe the group loves beef, right? So I think that, you know, that's what postmodernums are for, right? And I think those are a great place to reinforce, you know, some of the decisions that were made that maybe went against what, you know, was considered best practices by the planner. And not, again, not in an accusatory way, but just say, you know, we thought we, you know, with the postmortem, for, for example, for that uh, situation, you know, we can say, you know, you spent a lot of time kind of getting into the weeds. And next time we want to really let you focus on, you know, hosting the folks that we have on site. How do we do that? Um, so I think it is using your postmortems in a strategic way, using your feedback. Um, you know, if you get those, you know, the, the comments to say, you know, this is something we had discussed before the event and, you know, this is how it was received on site, Right. And, you know, sometimes the majority will rule. And, you know, I also had an executive one time who used to say to me, it was for an internal event and um, it was different departments did it differently. And she always said, I'm not doing a survey because I'm not changing the content and I don't care if they don't like the cookies. And I said, okay, so we don't do a survey. That's, that's fine. Right. So I think it's just, uh, and then in the following year we say, do you want to do a survey? 
nope, because I'm not changing my content and I don't care if they don't like the cookies. All right, that's that's okay too, right? So I think it's, you know, picking your battles and uh, and just using your postmortem feedback, the external feedback, and, and then you can kind of say, okay, well, not I told you so, but here's some reasons why we might want to do it differently going forward. Here's some things we might, might want to consider. Yeah, your postmortem, you've kind of hinted at it. Do you mind just expanding a little bit for like our listeners of just kind of what a, I don't know, a successful postmortem process looks like? Because I feel like it sounds like a lot of what the work you're doing post-event is setting you up for success the following year or at the next meeting or, you know, that that seems like it's a very crucial piece of the puzzle, if you don't mind talking more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone's going to have their own process. But I think with the survey, which if anyone has any tips on how to get more people to fill out surveys, because it is, <laughs> I feel like it's getting harder. Real. <laughs> it's getting so much harder. So I think, you know, having a clear deadline on that survey so that you can say, okay, you know, seven days out, we're, we're closing it, we're then that's when we're pulling the information, whatever's there is there. Um, and may everyone else hold their peace. So I think it's, you know, the the next day with like a small team, or even yourself just taking some notes, because that's when it's going to be freshest in your mind. That's when it's really going to stick when you get a week out, everything's a little hazier, right? You're like, Oh, maybe that wasn't so bad. Or Oh, I forgot all about that, you know, so really kind of taking those notes and seeing, okay, did, are there reoccurring patterns? Are there things that we anticipated that did end up being an issue? Were there things we didn't anticipate that ended up being an issue? And I think, you know, having your stakeholders back together again, and typically what I do is with the survey, for example, I'll take the survey data and I'll comb through all the comments and I'll pull out the ones that are either recurring or I think are really important. Um, and then kind of say, like, here's the top trends of what people liked and didn't like. And I'll also send it to them in detail. If they want to read every single comment about the orange Pico tea, they can read those comments. But if they just want the the Coles notes again, I, I, I think that's also very helpful for some folks. And I think, you know, comparing it to last year and then saying, okay, here's what we want to do differently next year. And I think even having that by department. So I usually create like a little document that says, okay, here's what went really well. Here's some feedback on either the content or the venue or whatever kind of grouped together. And then we'll kind of have a, a hidden slide on the events side and say, okay, well, here's like the events things that no one else really cares about, but we care about. And I think it's about getting that information and feedback quickly into a document um, soon after the event, because the further you get out from it, the, the less you're going to remember. So just having that as fresh in your mind as possible. That is amazing and so true. And, you know, we have I, one last question that I, I know keeps running through my brain, too, is I'm like, has there been a time when you, Shenandoah, have been like, we shouldn't have this event that doesn't make sense. The data doesn't make sense. And so the tables are almost turned and you need to advocate. Now, this is challenging because that like affects your role probably too but have you ever had a time when you've had to be like we need to rethink this for another uh yeah absolutely i think that uh especially sponsoring trade shows i think that it's really easy to get into a habit of oh we just sign the check over every year that we do the same thing every single year and saying hey are are we really getting our value there and you know sometimes it's been fully pulling out of a show and sometimes it's just been adjusting and saying, Hey, we don't really need to spend 
$30,000 on this sponsorship. Um, that sponsorship dollars is much better spent somewhere else. And so I think it is about being honest about why are you doing this event? Is it just because you do it every year? Because that's not usually a really good reason to have an event. And, um, and I think just, you know, reinstating the purpose and maybe not necessarily saying, oh, like, and I think it depends on how many events you're doing. Like I know in my role, I'm typically doing like a dozen events a quarter. So there's, it would be really hard to like lose one and then, you know, have the whole department go under. But, you know, if you're only doing one a quarter, one large event a year. Um, but I do think you need to ask, why are we doing it? Do we need to keep doing it the same way? Do we need to add time, take away time? Like is, is, is a half day event reasonable? You know, I did an event recently that we did it and it went well, but we're like, oh, but was that really the right timing? Like, should we look at doing something that's shorter or something that's, you know, not in the morning? And I think it's okay to ask those questions about the event because otherwise the event will get stale. And, and I don't know, I, the, I might be making up the statistic, but I, I've heard that like you should change an event every like five to seven years because people just kind of start to glaze over a little bit in, in uh, knowing what to expect and you're not really surprising people anymore. So I think you do need to ask those hard questions and, and not necessarily say, oh, we shouldn't do any event ever again, but is, are we spending our dollars in the most effective way when, when you see, oh, this other show is actually, we're getting a lot of return. Maybe we should put more money there, put more spend there, you know, do better gifting, do better hosting. Uh, so I think you do need to ask the tough questions. Otherwise, you know, it's, you're not, you're not providing uh, value and you're not, you know, being strategic. All, all very important. I feel like to your earlier question about how you get more people to fill out a survey, I will say one metric I've seen has been actually then enacting on the survey, uh, you know, requests or feedback that you got the following year. I was a part of a corporate event that had a lot of negative feedback about the hotel they put them in. And the next year they cited it in their opening session was like, we heard from you. Mm. <laughs> and that is why you're in a different hotel. And the entire room erupted in cheers. And I, was like, <laughs> I like to think that you guys now had a couple more people who filled out that survey being like, oh, they listened, you know. So how, how bad was this hotel? You know, that's that's uh, offline. That's an offline conversation. <laughs> it was in Vegas. So that should answer the question that there's a large range of what you could get. But it yeah. was quite funny. Um but Shenandoah, this has been lovely. Is there anything else you want to add for our listeners about, you know, how you can prove value to your stakeholders? Yeah, I think it's, like I said, kind of summarizing, just getting to know people. It's a, we're a business of people, we're a business of connections, uh, we're a business of trust. And that's not just true among your, your event team and the folks that you're working with on site. That's, that's true across any organization or client or other stakeholders that you're dealing with is, you know, you need to show your value, you need to show them that they can trust you. And I think that's how you have successful events and how you get, you know, more time with those folks that are making those decisions to have that influence um, within an organization. I love it. Thank you so much. I've had a lot of, you know, inspiration from what you've said today. So I hope our listeners have as well. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Before we end, though, where can listeners find you if they want to follow along on your event journey or follow along on your podcast? Sure. So uh, like you mentioned, my podcast is Beyond the BEO, which I think is a title that is right for the right people. <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Beyond the BEO. I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn, Shannon Doa Nicholson, 
pretty sure I'm the only Shenandoah Nicholson on LinkedIn. So I'm pretty easy to find. I love connecting with other event professionals, love talking about the industry uh, and the difference that we make. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, we're so grateful again for your time. And with that, we are near the end of our episode. And Logan has our bonus tip for today. So Logan, on to you. Yeah, this week's bonus tip is all about if you're hosting a panel discussion at your next conference uh, event or even a virtual one like a webinar. And this is to encourage you to think about adding some visuals on your screen. So this applies to, does not apply to you if you don't have screens available, but if you have any screens, a projector, LED board, or if you're virtual and you can screen share in some images, having like photos or videos that align with what your panelists are talking about is just, it's going to take your panel to the next level. Uh, I did this for a gala back in March and we used photos from the panelists' childhood because they were using, telling stories about when they were younger. And it just had a visible reaction in the audience every time we shared one of them on screen. And it also you know, helped, I think, prompt a little energy into the panelists. So um, I also will link in the show notes. I have a YouTube video where I dive even more into like how you can do it. Um, but that is just an extra element if you're looking to shake up your programming at your next panel. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. If you'd like to follow us or find us, we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Better Events Pod. You can email us at bettereventspod at gmail.com. View our website at bettereventspod.com. And you can also connect with us on LinkedIn directly as well, Logan. And I love to hear from you. So we definitely love to see those uh, connections come through. Thank you so much for listening to another week at the Better Events Podcast. And we will be back with you again next Wednesday. And we'll see you at our conference on Wednesday, December 20th. 